Amen. Church, if you would, go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And no, it is not 2019, and you did not find yourself in a time warp, but we are taking a break from Leviticus. And I joke about that because one of the few books we've actually preached line by line, verse by verse, and I mean verse by verse through, is the, uh, Paul's first epistle to Thessalonica. And so uh, the reason why we're here this morning is I was kind of just struggling with the, uh, some of the appropriateness of Family Sunday and our Leviticus 21 text. And so I wrote uh, an entire sermon, started like last Thursday, and then uh, finished it on Monday. And good night, I can't tell you how much I hated that thing. I was just like, this is not it. I don't know, like, you, you won't know this, but if you ever preach and you're writing a sermon, you're like three-fourths of the way through, you kind of get the feeling, I'm not preaching this. And yet, I'm still writing it. Like, I'm still, so I don't know how productive this is. And so I decided, that's not the text I'm writing. That was not a waste of time, because it's never a waste of time to be in God's Word. And so I thought, well, I'll pull up something from our study in First Thessalonians. And I looked at this particular text from verses 9 through 13, and I thought... I preached this in like three weeks because that's how slow we went when we went for us to look. So this is not going to work. And so I decided that what I think we should do is learn from what we can from this particular text, but then also look at some of the prayers of Paul throughout the scripture uh, to see how we're praying for one another. And if it models that example that the apostle set for us, we know the model prayer from Matthew 6, right? The Lord, what we would call the Lord's prayer that Jesus teaches us how to pray. We know the high priestly prayer, which we read this morning, but I don't know if we really study the way that Paul prays. And so that's the goal this morning is to kind of look through this and see how Paul prays. So I want to read this prayer from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 9, we'll end in verse 13, and then we'll dive right in. The precious, inerrant, infallible Word of God says, For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. First Baptist Church of Grey Gables, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures. Let's go to the Lord and thank him for his word this morning. Lord, we do thank you. Uh, for these sweet prayers we'll examine this morning from the Apostle Paul. We thank you how it speaks to us and encourages us to be a people of prayer. Father, would you uh, direct our hearts to you this morning as we seek to learn much from your word. And we trust that whatever is done here this morning, the saints will be made more like Jesus. And that sinners will hear a clear gospel message. Lord, that is our prayer and that is our desire. We uh, Lord, can't wait to see what you're going to do through this proclamation from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So again, I, I know we've, we've preached through this book already. Just by show of hands, who remembers us preaching through 1 Thessalonians? If you were here and a member then, and you were I feel like we do have a lot of new people, so that's good. We'll preach through it again. Um, uh, 
right after Leviticus. We're just going to do the same four books, keep rotating over. Uh, but if you're familiar with the writings of Paul, you will know that in just about every epistle of his, he, he has a prayer that he prays in the epistle, and sometimes it's, it's several times. I think it's safe to say that Paul was a man of prayer. And so again, I want to look at this prayer briefly. I want to, I want to go over some things we find in this prayer specifically to the Thessalonians. Uh, and then I want to jump over to Ephesians and consider a couple other prayers of Paul. And, and really, again, my desire in all of this is that it would encourage you in your own prayer life and walk with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're like me. And to be honest, even sometimes as a pastor, you're, you're just not sure what to pray for, right? Or how to pray. You're not sure what things and in what way you should be praying. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to you, specifically for our younger believers. If you're one of our kids in here and mom and dad have been teaching you how to pray and you just don't exactly know what to pray for, hopefully this will encourage you. You. So Paul's a great example. So let's start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we'll start with this first prayer. The 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13 uh, prayer. I'm going to start in verse 9 and reread it just to give us a little understanding. He says, For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? What Thanks can we render to God for you? And then he says this in verse 10, which is, which is kind of the springboard for us. He says, night and day, praying exceedingly. This is a man, again, who, who fervently prayed night and day for the people of God, but not just for the Thessalonians. In fact, what we see is that Paul prayed for all God's people. That's one of the things we see very clearly here. Paul prayed for all God's people. He prayed for the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, Bereans, the Corinthians, and so on and so forth. He was night and day praying for each one of these churches. And yet, it wasn't even just praying for the churches. Again, he was praying for God's people everywhere. And right off the bat, we can learn something from that, can't we? I want us to be encouraged to do this in our own life in prayers, not just to pray for First Baptist Church of Grey Gables, which, if we're honest, enough of us just have a trouble, difficulty doing that, right? I encourage you, one of the, the greatest gifts we can give you is a directory. One of the greatest things you can do with that directory is simply pray for those people by name. We have a prayer list that Miss Tracy is faithful to put together. You can take that and pray for many of the prayer requests that we have. You can take each member of the church and pray for them. Pray through your directory. But that really should just be the starting point. That should really be the minimum of what we do. We should go from there and pray for our sister churches. Even the churches outside our community. We should be praying for the church overseas. We should be praying for missionaries and ministries, for all of God's people everywhere. This is what God has called us to do. And therefore, it's something that's very important for us to do as believers. That we not only ask for prayer for ourselves or our own needs, but we go outside of ourselves, lifting up prayers for all of God's people everywhere. And so, so right off the bat... Verse 10 kind of strikes at our heart because we probably feel the weight of how little we even pray for each other. And yet here Paul was saying, pray night and day exceedingly. He says that in verse 10. He says, night and day 
exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And now he goes on into the prayer itself. This is what he prays in verses 11 through 13. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. What a prayer, right? Hey, you notice it's short, isn't it? Anybody like a short prayer? You can be honest. Don't lie to me. Not that short prayers are better than long prayers, or long prayers are better than short prayers, but, you know, Paul was a master. If you have something good to say that's full of truth, it doesn't always take a long time to say it. That, that part was for me. I was preaching that part for me. Uh, but here is a short prayer of Paul. And most of his prayers that are written down are relatively short, but they aren't lacking in substance, are they? No, if you just take briefly a look at this prayer, it's so packed full of love, truth, and godliness. I just, I love it. First of all, he asks that God might direct their way to the Thessalonians. Paul in this is acknowledging God's sovereignty in the midst of this prayer. We know that this was Paul's desire. He wanted to get back to Thessalonica. We spent a lot of time in our study examining that. He wanted to see that church face to face. He only got to spend about six to eight weeks with them. And then he was, he was driven out by persecution. He wanted to come back to them and put his arms around them and hug that church. But he acknowledges God's sovereignty. He acknowledges that God is in control. That God is the one who directs our steps and orders our path. And so he says... He says what? In, in verse 11, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Acknowledging his sovereignty and control over the affairs of life. Let him direct our way to you. They wanted to get there. They, they tried everything they could to get there. But he acknowledges God's sovereignty in directing them toward the Thessalonians. But he didn't just stop there and say, Lord, I really want to get there. I pray for you to make a way for us. But, but then now he goes outside of himself, outside of his own desires and wants, and he starts to pray for them. And what does he pray? Well, listen, I'm sure that Paul prayed for their health. Right? I'm sure he had a long list of prayer requests for their sicknesses and difficulties. I'm sure he prayed for their relationship. Right? I'm sure he prayed, prayed for the family struggles they had. I'm sure he did. Paul loved them. There's no doubt about it. Paul prayed for those things. He prayed for their jobs, their families, their relatives, certainly. But that wasn't really the focus of his prayer. And this is one of the things I want us to see. It wasn't what he was written down here because the physical needs we all have is actually not to be the main focus of our prayers. The main thing we should pray about and for one another and God's people everywhere are, are spiritual matters. And that's exactly what Paul prayed. Paul prayed for spiritual matters. He, he certainly did. So, so listen, think about what it says in the text. He says, the Lord, that he makes you increase and abound in love toward one another. So he was praying about their love. One for another. 
Yes, he wanted them to have good wealth. I'm sure he wanted to have good relationships for their families. He wanted them to be doing well in their occupations. But what he wanted most was that they would have a love for one another, for the brethren, for the church, to increase, grow, and improve, to be sanctified. So, so listen, no matter how much we're showing and exercising love for the brethren, if we're honest, we know we could always love people a little bit more, couldn't we? It can always grow. We can always look within ourselves and say, how can I increase in the way I show love to my brothers and sisters? And he says, I want to increase and I want you to increase and abound in love toward one another. But, but not just to one another, he says, but to all just as we do to you. So, so Paul's heart is big, right? There's, there's times in his epistles where I think we can think this man comes across a little bit cold at times, but, but his heart is big. He's praying for them in their love for all men that they might improve in their love for one another. Not just, by the way, those who you're close with. Not just those at your church, but again, I want you to grow for your love for your brothers in Berea, Corinth, Philippi, those brothers and sisters over on the other side of the sea. I want your love to increase and abound towards him. So he prays, their love might increase. And then what does he say in verse 13? So that, in other words, the purpose of this, why? That he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. Paul wants them, Paul prays for them to be holy before God. So, so he's praying that their love might increase, to grow for one another, and for all of it to lead towards holiness in the way they live their life. He says again, holiness is not just before each other, but before God. Because ultimately, in the way we live, we're seeking to please God. And, and this, friends, this should be the way that we pray for one another. When is the last time that you prayed for a brother and sister's love to increase toward one another? When's the last time you prayed for their holiness? And listen, I'm not talking about telling on them to God as if he doesn't already know, right? Have you ever found that you, you have a difficult person in your life and you're praying for them and you're saying, well, Lord, you know, they're just, they're just so stubborn. <laughs> as if he didn't create them, right? Like if he didn't know. But, but in the midst of that, say, Lord, would, would you grow them in holiness? Would you make it their desire to love one another? Lord, make my desire to love and grow in holiness that they might see my desire and be encouraged for one another. This is a selfless prayer. Uh, to the end that God may establish, He may confirm, He might ground you in holiness before Him at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. So, so now I just want to look at some general things about Paul's prayers uh, that would be a helpful study tool for you, right? So we're looking at Paul. We're asking how did he pray in his life? How should we pray in this life? I think there are three things that we can look at on the surface from this prayer and from others. First, who, for whom did Paul pray? So for whom did Paul pray? Then second, to whom did Paul pray? I'm sorry, that's wrong. First, to whom did Paul pray, for whom did Paul pray? Then second, for whom did Paul pray? And third, what did Paul pray about? So to whom did Paul pray? For whom did Paul pray? And then what did Paul pray about? I really just wanted to end that on that preposition there, but I just I don't know English well. Uh, and so I guessed. 
Uh, so, uh, and nobody corrects me, so I just assume that y'all are okay with it. Uh, but that's on the surface. And so, as we're looking at the prayers of Paul, again, there, there's over 30 of these, by the way, in the epistles. As you study those things, ask these questions. Who, who was Paul praying to? That's what I wanted to really put that point as. And, and this, he says, God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what's interesting is as you look at Paul's prayers, you'll find that very same pattern throughout the prayers of Paul. Acknowledging God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in doing that, he's acknowledging their unity. That God the Father and God the Son are one. And so who did Paul pray to? He always prayed to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Always acknowledging the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always prayed for, so that's who he prayed to, but he always prayed for God's people. He prays for God's people everywhere. And then what does he pray about he always prays for spiritual matters, faith, love, hope, holiness. These are the things that he prayed about. So even just then, right, if we were just to stop the sermon now, we could look at our own prayer life and say, what does it look like? I just know in my own prayer life, it, it seems to be that most of the time I pray for my needs and my wants. Because a lot of times that, that just could be it. When we're starting, we're learning how to pray. It's just, Lord, help me with this or help me with that. But if we look at the Apostle Paul, and, and as we desire to want to grow in our walk with the Lord, it should move beyond that. It shouldn't be the main focus of our prayers. But we should be praying for the people of God, those whom we love. And we should be praying that their love might increase, that they would grow in their faith, hope, that they would be holy before God. That God would be using them in their lives for His glory. You know what i found? I've found that the more I pray for spiritual matters about other people, the more that I'm more concerned about not just the surface level things, but the more I go to love them deeper. I find it really hard to hate someone or, or to even just dislike someone while I'm simultaneously praying that they grow and abound in love. Right? And so this is the charge that we would pray in this way. And so uh, let's consider that. We look at our own prayer life, uh, learning how to pray. Um, I do want to go over now to the book of Ephesians. I want us to look at the book of Ephesians at a couple different prayers here. Just a couple books to your left. We'll start at Ephesians chapter 1. Um, in fact, um, A.W. Pink wrote a book called The Gleanings from Paul, uh, which is a really great book. I had it on... on What's the, the reading app I have? Um, I have it on that reading app thing that's on my phone. Uh, and, but I ordered a copy in case somebody wants to borrow it. So see me afterwards if you want. Uh, but I encourage you, if you have an opportunity, Gleanings from Paul, A.W. Pink. I've been looking at this book and rejoicing in it. It's wonderful. He takes each one of these prayers and he says, what can we learn from the prayers of Paul? Not only the truth, what he's praying about, but how can we use this prayer in our own life with the Lord? So just a way of starting out in Ephesians, we start, Paul starts with a prayer expressing gratitude. Chapter 1, verse 3, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What a verse that is. What a text this is. Here he's praying and, and he's saying, blessed be God, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly blessings in Christ. Friends, one of the things we need to make sure we're doing in our prayers 
is blessing God, right? Praising God, expressing gratitude to God for all that He is and all that He's done and is doing in our life. Not just in your own life, but in the lives of His people everywhere. For what He's doing in the church, in the world, and throughout missionaries as He is called to go to foreign places, blessing God for what He's doing. Why? Well, because it's all because of Him, His grace, His mercy, His love that anything is ever done, right? So we're first saying to God, thank you, bless your name for what you have done and are doing. And if you think about it, that's just, that's proper, right? But because before you can really ask God about anything in your own life, I think you need to come to him with a posture, not only of reverence, but of thankfulness and gratitude for what he's already done, for what you already have. How can we constantly be going to God and saying, please do this, do that, uh, be with these people without recognizing and appreciating all that he's already done? It's actually the same thing our children do at times with our parents, right? Children constantly ask their parents for things. I want a new toy, new notebook. Our daughter's in a notebook phase right now. Not the terrible romance movie or novel, but the actual, she's seven, we wouldn't let her watch that. Um, So... New swimsuit, new clothes. But if they thank God for what they already have. I, I just remember, I remember being a kid, right? And I remember coming home from, from dinner with my, my parents. And I remember my dad, or my mom actually would be the one that said, Hey guys, thank your dad for dinner. And I just remember as a kid thinking, all right, look. You're my dad, right? Like you're, it's kind of your job to feed me, I'm pretty sure. I'm not... This is the same exact things that my son says to me, and I just, he's immediately in trouble, and yet uh, he gets it fair and square. And yet, it, it's the truth, right? Your kids get in the car, you, they, don't, they don't know how much dinner costs these days when you take them out, especially when they don't eat it. Uh, and they don't know the sacrifice, and then immediately in the car, it's, hey, can we get ice cream? <laughs> I mean, you're welcome for dinner, by the way, right? Like, no, no worries whatsoever. Just immediately going on to the next thing. Have, have you been a good steward of what you've already been given? Do you realize how much it costs? Do you, do you realize these things? And so you try and teach your children these things. Well, it's the same way with the Lord. We need to be constantly thanking Him, and that's exactly what Paul was doing here. Before he started to dive into all the wonderful things about what God has done, he first just simply says, bless you, God. For even imagining this, that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So there is a prayer of gratitude. That's what you can do if nothing else. Pray every day and thank God for all he's done. You not only thank God for what he's done, but you want to ask God to help everything to, to increase. That you may just abound more and more in these things that he's doing and has done. So he goes on later in chapter 1, we see a prayer of faith and knowledge in chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. This is a prayer of faith and knowledge, that it might, again, spiritual matters increase, that these things might grow. He says in verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Uh, And so Paul always, again, he goes to God, he gives thanks for the faith that he's granted these believers, thanks for the love they're exhibiting to all the saints. And then verse 17, he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. 
He gives thanks to God and what He's done in giving them faith and helping their love to increase. But then He goes further and says, God, I, I pray that you may give to them the spirit of wisdom, that you might help them grow in knowledge and how they might apply that knowledge in the right way in their life, so that when they come to a temptation or face a decision, that they may know what the right thing to do is. And we pray that for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That He would give us that spirit of wisdom. That he helped them to grow in their revelation and the knowledge of Christ. And I love how he goes on to say in verse 18, he says, That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Oh, that the knowledge, our knowledge, might be enlightened of Christ and His Word. That it might grow, that we might understand it deeper and how it would impact our lives. He goes on, That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? God, help your people, therefore, to grow in wisdom and understanding. That's also what he's praying in this text. It's a prayer of faith and knowledge, but a a prayer to grow in wisdom and understanding. Help the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. Give them an understanding of the hope that you've called them to. Keep their eyes focused on you, God, on the goal, the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we have here many things, right? We have a a prayer of faith and knowledge. We have a prayer for understanding. Again, modeling how we pray for one another. Just 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 think about these markers in your own prayer life, right? Many many of us we may just stop at the first point, but I simply just don't don't pray for people very often. But but even when you do pray for these particular things, this is our desire here. But then we also have a prayer of spiritual apprehension. What do I mean by that? Well, look what he goes on to say. In verse 19, he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? I, I pray for you, my brothers and sisters, that you might understand what is the power God has placed within you. Because sometimes... We don't realize it, right? We, we don't realize the Holy Spirit of God is living within us, dwelling with us, and we have Him. That we're carrying Him around with us all the time. And He says, I want you to understand what is the exceeding greatness of that power to those who believe. He says, you have everything you need. God has placed everything you need within you in the Spirit of God. Which means you don't have to fear man. You don't have to fear circumstances. You don't have to worry about today or tomorrow because God has provided for you everything you need in Him. You have the the power in the Spirit within you to overcome temptation, trials, and your greatest enemy. Remember, biblically, we were slaves to sin, but God, in giving us His Spirit, has given us the ability now to have victory over sin, that you don't have to do the things that you used to do, but you can, through His Spirit, grow in holiness. And that's part of His prayer here. He goes on in verse 20 and says, "...which He worked in Christ." When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so, this is a wonderful prayer from the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter 1. We can learn much from, but he didn't stop there. Actually, that's why I want us to go to chapter 3. There's there's one more prayer I want us to examine. And again, remember our goal here, guys. It's It's using these prayers of Paul, implementing them into your own life. Why? Because God, God works mightily through his people through prayer. God's... Listen, God's doing wonderful things in our church. I'm sure that you're aware of this, right? 
the, not only just the numerical growth we have, the amount of visitors that have been coming, but worship grows, serve that's been intimate, the, the amount of people who are investing in one another. Guys, that, those things don't happen apart from prayer. Not as if God's a genie that grants us any wishes, but he grows our dependence toward him. It's the means by which he works to bring his about his good and perfect will. And so, listen, I'm, I'm excited about what God is going to do through our church as we begin to pray these things for one another. Because guess what? I truly believe that if we pray for one another to abound in love, to grow in our love towards one another, to grow in faith and knowledge, to grow in wisdom and understanding, and to grow in our understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit, I really believe, guess what? God's going to answer those prayers. I believe that we can become a church that even has greater love for one another, that has even greater faith and knowledge of His Word and the revelation of it, has even greater wisdom and understanding on how to apply the Word and has greater understanding of the power that God has given us to overcome sin. Do you want to change a community? You pray these things. Just think about the impact and legacy the Apostle Paul has in the majority of the time in his epistles. He's just simply writing his prayers for the people. It's astounding. And so we're taking these things and just inserting our brothers and sisters into the prayers here at First Baptist Church of Great Gables. Look at chapter 3 with me. He says in verse 14 of chapter 3, uh, he says, For this reason, again, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. He's, he's praying, and not only is he praying, but who's he praying to? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acknowledging the Lordship and deity of Jesus Christ and the unity of God the Father and God the Spirit. And then look at verse 16. 16, he says, That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Boy, we need that, don't we? Anybody, anybody feel weak? Anybody feel frail spiritually at times? Like you need some strength to overcome this, this thing called planet Earth? <laughs> because every day we, we face the unholy trinity, right? Our, ourselves, the world, and Satan, <laughs> That's what we wake up to every day, fighting against us, fighting against your mind, attacking your heart and soul. And we know that we live in a corrupt society, which is just degrading even greater day by day. It's, it's so important for us that as we live in this slew of despondency, that we might be strengthened with might in the inner man. That we might keep our eyes on the path and fight against all these temptations that surround us daily. And so we pray for one another that they will be strengthened with might by His Spirit. Not just so that you might be stronger yourself, but that you're strong in the Lord in His Spirit and by His might. That, that Christ, as He says, might dwell in your hearts by faith. So we see a prayer to be strengthened by the might of His Spirit, but a, pri a prayer also that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Boy, there's... There's probably nothing better you could pray than everything that's on this list right here. Pray that, that Christ might dwell in your heart and my heart by faith. That I will believe in him more and more each day. He says in chapter 3 verse 17 and following, That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, Church family, if you don't know what to pray for your brothers and sisters, just, just circle Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Just pray that. Pray these things that your brothers and sisters might be filled with the Spirit, that Christ would dwell in their hearts, that our faith and love would grow, that we would be able to comprehend the greatness of the love of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then look how he closes in verse 20 of chapter 3. He says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. He's praying to God, realizing that if anything is going to be accomplished, that God is the one who's worthy of all praise. He's the one worthy of all blessing. He's the one who has begun the good work. He's the one who's going to finish the good work. He's the one who's able He has all power in heaven and earth. And so we're praying for one another that we might be filled with that power as you face each and every day. Yes, unto him we hope to encourage one another. We hope to come beside one another and lift each other up to help bear one another's burdens. But again, we're weak. I mean, I I can, listen, just, just even taking the time to pray through everything we've examined so far, we know would take time in our day that we don't feel like we have. In fact, many of us, even coming to church, are, are already feeling, I've got so much to do. And this is a sacrifice of our time. But friends, what was it, Martin Luther, that said, I have so much to do that I must spend four hours in prayer <laughs> to be able to accomplish all that I have to do. It's a posture of understanding that. We understand, I, I can try to help you all I can. I'm with you face to face from time to time, and I can try to encourage you, help you, pray for you. But listen, I'm, I'm weak. I struggle mightily with this. Each and every week, I feel like I've got to get through a certain number of church members to pray for that I don't feel like I often pray for you as well as I could. I'm still a sinner. So I pray and say, Lord, unto you, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So even in my weakness in my prayers, God, you are faithful to do even more than I can possibly ask. And so I can take you to the Lord. I can take you to the one who nothing is too big for. And then you're always praying in this way too. A prayer recognizing the the worth and glory of Jesus. He is worthy and he's glorious. So I I can say, if God blesses you in your life, If you increase in faith, if you grow in love, if you're strengthened by the Spirit and the inner man, we don't go back and say, hey, thanks God for for these people just getting it. Thank you for for them just being so smart and holy. No, we say, unto you be the glory. Unto Christ be the glory in the church throughout all the ages. So we're praising God for His blessings. We're asking God for his strength, and then we're praising God for the strength he gives. So that's just a little picture of the prayers of Ephesians and Thessalonians. I could have added about 10 more in here, but I wanted to give a gift to our parents who are so faithful to bring their children in here uh, to hear God's word on our family Sunday. And so, uh, but I think that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> like, like, if we're talking about application, I think we've got enough on this sheet of paper to say that If I take one a day and pray one of these things for the several people in our church that God has laid on my heart, I 
I'd have enough to fill my prayer time for the day. But I cannot wait to see what God's going to do in the midst of that. So may God bless us and help us to grow in our prayers before him that we might be like the Apostle Paul, that we might pray to God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, that we might pray for his people everywhere, and we might pray for spiritual matters one for another. And God will be faithful to work the things that we ask according to his will and to his glory. And so we will give him all the glory. So God, help us to try to apply this to our own Lies. Would you stand with me as we close in a word of prayer? Father, Lord, it's our desire, Lord, that the person next to us, the person around us, those who have been on our hearts, those who have been in our church that maybe we just, we know we don't necessarily get along with, that Lord, we just, we have different personalities. It is our desire, Father, that we would be a church that pray for each other's love and holiness. Lord, that we would dedicate time in our days to be faithful to pray. Father, we have a posture of understanding that you've given us much. You've given us all that we need. So, Father, if the Spirit of God is dwelling within us, then you've given us the power to overcome sin. And may we be a people that is constantly, that are constantly praying Lord, for victory over sin for our brothers and sisters. Lord, that we not just be praying for their comfort, not just be praying for their illnesses or the difficulty to even be, um, Lord, uh, relieved. Father, we would pray earnestly that in the midst of their struggles and trials and difficulties, that they would know the power of your spirit, that they would have wisdom and faith and understanding that would grow in their bounding love for one another that they might be strengthened in the inner man and that you might receive all glory for what you're faithful to do. So Lord, may we dedicate ourselves to truly be a people of prayer. We thank you for what you've already done in our church and what you're doing. Lord, we are resting and trusting in your faithfulness and your sovereignty because you are good and you are worthy. We love you, Lord. Would you be with us now in a time of reflection as we sing songs to you? that you would convict us, that you would strengthen us, and that we really would be a people of prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may have a seat. And as you do, let me uh, invite you to the time of our invitation to apply those things that we've talked about. We've given plenty of application. I pray that you would desire to pray for one another. Maybe you're, you just stuck at the first part, right? You just struggle to pray. Well, certainly we need to grow in that. And then as we pray... We strengthen our relationship with the Lord. We, we don't necessarily need to pray solely selfishly. We pray for others and we pray spiritual matters. And I really believe it will grow uh, our desire to know Him. Now listen, I will say, we've talked about this before. There's a stigma about prayer. Right? When Paul says pray night and day exceedingly, I don't, I don't think we're supposed to read that as excluding ourselves going into a prayer closet on our knees, head bowed, eyes closed, silence around us. When, when Paul says pray without ceasing... He means that as the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, right, as, as Christ is dwelling richly in your hearts, that your conversation with Him would be constant, right? That your, your relationship with Him, listen, I, when I say, honey, I need to talk to you, um, and I t- talk to Amy, my wife, right, I don't say, well, but I need you to come into this particular room. 
um, with silence, right? And I need your undivided attention. I need, I need right now, kids, go away. I'm talking to mom. If that were to happen, I promise you we'd say like five words to each other. Um, but, but constantly throughout the day, as she's on my mind and, and in my heart, as, we, as we're present, we, we converse, we check, we, we spend time with each other. That's the way it is with the Lord. And so this is what it looks like. So don't, don't walk out here thinking, well, I, I just... That's like eight hours. Like, how am I going to do all this with all these particular people? But as you walk with the Lord, you pray night and day. See, they do this for your spouses, right? We've been looking on Wednesday night at, uh, at a husband's responsibility is to present his wife as a spotless bride before the Lord. That means husbands, even above what you're commanded to provide for your, your wife financially, yes. You're, you're commanded to, be a, uh, to, to, to work hard and provide for your family, yes. But even above that, you are about to be, you are to be about your wife's spirituality. When's the last time you prayed for your wife's holiness? When's the last time you've invested into her what holiness looks like? Do you know about your wife's walk with the Lord? Do you know what her struggles are when it comes to spirituality? There's so many ways and opportunities we have to apply this. And again, I only say that not because I demand perfection from you in any way, shape, or form, but I say that because I really am excited about what God's going to do in the midst of our church as we do this. He's already been faithful to us, even if we haven't done this, but He is going to be so, uh, we're going to receive so uh, much gratitude and growth in the Christian life, I believe, because of applying these prayers for us today. Maybe you're here today. And your prayer life is stagnant. You have no relationship with the Lord. right? You just don't even know where you stand with the Lord. Well, let me pray that for faith and understanding as it comes to the gospel. right? That you would understand what the gospel is. That, that we believe in a, in a God who created this world in six days. Therefore, He owns it and He rules over it as a loving and caring God. But as ruler over the world, it's, it's His world that you're living in. He's not living in yours. Right? So therefore, he dictates what the requirements are for relationship with him. And he did so with Adam and Eve and the first two people who were ever created. They walked with him in fellowship, in complete, unhindered fellowship. But then something terrible happened. They rejected God's good and righteous design, their creator's design, and instead decided to be their own gods and live as if they were their own gods, serving themselves instead of him. And the punishment of that, according to this creator ruler God, was Death. This was sin. It was a breaking of his law. And because he is holy and pure and moral perfection and, and otherness, he cannot be in the presence of sin and not punish it. He's too pure. And so there was this decree that because of the disobedience of our father and mother, that there would be sin in the world. Everything we experience now is because of that sin, the, the difficulty, the trial, the sickness. We live in a world that's marred by this rejection of God's good and righteous design. We experience death around us and, and with us oftentimes, and that is because of our great sin against God. And, and apart from someone coming in and paying a penalty for us and doing something for us, we would not be able on our own to get back the fellowship we had with God in the beginning. But the good news of the gospel is that this God from the beginning had this particular plan and desire that he would send forth his son, uh, born of a woman, fully God, fully man, to come and live a perfect life that you and I should live but cannot live. And, and he, living that perfect life, did not deserve to die, but he instead gave his life up willingly, taking the punishment that we all deserved in our sin upon himself, bearing it for us, and then giving us the gift of his righteousness, his good standing before the Lord. So, so you and I, in our sin, because of Christ, though we are guilty, can hear, well done, 
my good and faithful servant when we're in his presence. But it's not because we've done good and well. It's because that Jesus has lived for us and his death paid our penalty that we owe. And so now, because of this news, we repent, we turn away from our sins. We, we declare that, yes, we have broken God's law. Yes, from birth we have dwelled in sin. And we declare that and then declare Jesus to be our king, that we no longer want to be gods and kings of our own life, but we want Jesus to be our king. And then we trust in him. We rest in his finished work on the cross that has truly and fully saved us, that it's no longer about what we do, it's what Christ has done. And because of what he's done, we want to live lives honorably before him. If you do not have that relationship, if you've never repented of your sins, declared Jesus to be your king, and have trusted in his finished work on the cross of Calvary where his blood was shed and he was, uh, he was raised from the dead showing the, the vindication of his sacrifice. If you never trust in that today, then today can be the day that you can be saved. And then, guess what? Then you get a relationship unlike anything you've ever had before. You get a relationship that you were created for and purposed for. It is a relationship with your creator. And it is greater than anything this life has to offer. So if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with, with our Father through Christ, then, then please let me encourage you. Come down front. Brother Justin will be down here. Brother Danny will be down here. We'd love the opportunity to talk to you. I'll be back at the back of our sanctuary. love to talk with you about the opportunity you have to come to Christ today. Do not leave here without questions unanswered. If you're walking through this right now, we will take all day if we have to to walk this through with you. Church, it's a pleasure being your pastor. Thank you so much for being engaging and, and listening to this. And I cannot wait again to see what God does through uh, our prayer.